Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 4. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 4. We're going through this Gospel record together bit by bit and we're in the early stages of the Lord Jesus Christ's life. We have witnessed his conception, his birth. We have seen him at a young age. And now we have witnessed this stage of his early public ministry. His public ministry began with his baptism under John. Now remember, he didn't need salvation for sins. It was salvation, or sorry, he didn't need salvation. He didn't need any of that. Baptism for him was a picture of of what he was going to do, that he was going to die and was going to be buried. But it was also out of obedience. It was to fulfill all righteousness. And when he did that, he had God's endorsement. Afterwards, he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days with Satan. And he was in all points tempted as we were. And his... Um, Time in the wilderness was proof and evidence to us that no matter how bad things are, we could still be dependent upon the Lord and we could still see victories won even in the midst of pain and heartbreak and suffering. And then we saw this morning as Jesus Christ makes his first recorded public uh, message as he travels back home to his hometown of Nazareth. And as he goes to the hometown of Nazareth, as his custom was, he went to uh, on the Sabbath day, went to synagogue as his custom was. He had been faithful year after year. He was the town carpenter. But this time when he preached the Bible, the people were not very responsive to the message. They only saw him as the town carpenter and did not see him as the Messiah. And so as his message went on and he tried to explain to them that the responsibility was to get the gospel out, to preach the gospel to every creature. They did not like the message so much that they decided to drag him out. Drag him out of the synagogue. Drag him out of town. Drag him to the cliff and try to throw him over. Well, a miracle occurred where he just walked right past them in the midst of their trying to kill him. But the ministry is not over yet. In fact, it is just now beginning. And so now as he begins to travel from the town of Nazareth in the same region of Galilee, he now goes to Capernaum where he's going to set up his headquarters for the next three years. We pick this up in the book of Luke, the gospel record of Luke chapter number four. The gospel record of Luke chapter four. And notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse number 31. Luke chapter four and verse 31. And it came and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. 
What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the mist, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed, and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this! For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they came out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And he entered out, and he arose out of the synagogue, and entered in his Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother had taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke? The gospel record of Luke in chapter number four. And if you wouldn't mind, pay attention to a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke chapter number four. And then at the very end of verse number 32, Luke chapter four, verse 32, the last phrase for his word was with power. His word was with power power. And with the Lord's help, we would like to see what is going on here concerning this idea, for his word was with power. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And again, thank you for the great services we had this morning, that the message came out clear, that it was easy to be understood, and that I believe that some people made some decisions because of it. Now as we come and following this up, we're asking once again that you would open up your word. As we even have in the title that your word is with power. We're asking for that same power to be in your word tonight. This power to change lives. This power to revolutionize life. This power to draw people close to you. This power to even see miracles accomplished. We know that's nothing that we could do of ourselves. We are weak and frail and pathetic. But your word is full of power. And again, I... I'm just amazed at my own inability. I cannot, I don't have enough skills. I don't have the oratory ability. I don't have enough charisma. Lord, it's not anything I have. So the best I know how I surrender myself to you, my thoughts, my opinions, my abilities, my tongue, my thoughts, my goals, my ambitions, I give them all to you. And ask that you fill me with your spirit and that you would bless your word. 
That you would do amazing work through your word even now. That we could trust you in Jesus name. Amen. What an amazing phrase that is said about Jesus' word and the word of God as a whole. For his word was with power. If you don't mind, let's see this illustrated in the life of Jesus Christ in the early days of his ministry here in Luke chapter 4. The first thing I want to bring to your attention here is that his word had authority and power. For his word had authority and power. So he came up from the town that he was raised in, in the town of Nazareth, and he has traveled still within the same region to the place of Capernaum, about 16 miles away. The city was eventually going to become the Lord's base of operations during his earthly ministry, and Jesus began to have teaching sessions. And as people heard the word, they were amazed. Notice if you don't mind as we pick it up in verse number 31. And came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. Notice that's plural. So what happened is that Jesus began to go to the synagogue. And on the Sabbath days, he began to be a regular preacher, a regular speaker, teaching Bible lessons. And people began to come. And they wanted to hear more about what Jesus had been preaching about. They wanted to know more about this Jesus. They had heard his reputation. They had heard his fame. And they were showing up to hear him preach. Now notice in verse number 32. And they, speaking the visitors, the people that have come, were astonished at his doctrine. Why? For his word was with power. Now, why is this such a big deal? Well, at this time, the Bible has been turned over to the Pharisees and to the lawyers. The lawyers are people who study the law and they're responsible for teaching the law. And what has happened that instead of teaching the Bible itself, these people have gotten to the place where they're teaching out of the Talmud. The Talmud is basically a commentary on the Bible. Then what has happened is that they have a commentary on the commentary, which is called the traditions of our fathers. And so what happens is that the people end up talking about the different rules and regulations of the Sabbath. They begin to talk about the different traditions that have come up. They're not referring to the Word of God at all, but they're talking about the commentaries. And what usually happens is that it's not a teaching message. For example, here today, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to preach a message directly to you. And we're not having questions and comments. We're not having debates. We're teaching, this is what the Bible said. We're reading the text, explaining the text, and applying the text. In those days in the synagogue, it was not so. What would happen is that it was kind of like a loose Bible study, where someone would say, well, the Talmud mentions about this. And what would happen is that people would give their thoughts and opinions. And there was never a final word on the matter. It was more of the idea, let's just kind of discuss our thoughts. Let's discuss our feelings. Let's see what we think about it. And at the end, there was no consensus. There was no decision. There was no authority. It was just a nice Bible message or a idea of a Christian message, Jewish message, if you would. And so they just talked about what they thought. They they have. Just a loose Bible study. People try to run Bible studies that way today. People try to run church services today. And what happens is that you get a lot of thoughts, a lot of opinions, but then people go home. And some people like that. But the problem is, is that there are no decisions made. 
The idea of biblical preaching in its essence, preaching is, brings people to the place of decision. That's what preaching is. Preaching brings people to the place of decision. And so Jesus, instead of saying, okay guys, what do you think about this? What is your thought on this? What's your opinion on this? What Jesus did is he opened the Bible, he read the text, he explained the text, and he applied the text. And with the application, there was an expectation because this is preached, what are you going to do about this? And he gave what they should do. He told them, this is the decision you ought to make. Now, for everyone, this was different. They were amazed. They hadn't been to a study like this. They haven't had a preaching service like this where the preacher actually opens the Bible. And not only they open the Bible, they explain the Bible. But then the weirdest thing of all they said, because of what is preached, this is what you should do to respond to it. What is this? And so they are amazed. They were astonished at his doctrine. This idea of doctrine is his belief and teaching. It's what he is teaching. They're astonished. You see, there's a difference between somebody saying, well, you know, guys, I kind of think and believe this is what I think this says. And a difference between someone said, all right, this is what the Bible said. This is what God means. What are you going to do about it? There's something different about that. Somebody said, wow, this is amazing. He's actually taking the Bible and teaching the Bible. You could do that? A couple of years ago, ran into someone who started doing that. Who started saying, hey, guys, there's a new movement coming on. They actually, at this church... They take the Bible and they ask everyone to bring their Bibles to church. I've never been to a place like that where people are supposed to bring their Bibles and they read from it and then they taught from the Bible. They didn't give us a cute story and I, that's wonderful. More people should do that. And it was almost like it was a new revelation, like it was a new fad that was coming out. Someone had just discovered this. But this is how Jesus taught. There was authority. There was power. And they were astonished at it. Because it, it didn't leave it so people were wondering, what did the Bible say? It didn't have it people wondering, well that was nice, but it doesn't do anything for me. It was very clear that there was an expectation for people to respond. They were astonished at his doctrine. Notice this, for his word was with power. Do you understand there is a power in God's word? <laughs> With that, do you know that God never promised to bless my preaching? But he did promise to bless his word. And so the more of the word of God that I stick with, the more that we can expect God to work. That's the difference. It's not my word. It's not my thoughts. It's not my opinions. It is the word of God that has power. And we could watch God work. So notice as this goes on in verse number 33. So one day as Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, verse 33, and in the synagogues there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. So this is implied that in the middle of a teaching service one day, as the crowds are there, all of a sudden this one guy stands up and says, You! You! Let us alone! 
What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now, you thought our church services were strange. Could you imagine in the middle of a preaching service, some guy stand up who's filled with the devil, who gets up and says, I know who you are. You're Jesus. And the whole crowd's like looking like, okay, what do we do with this? I mean, security, do we, what do we do? Well, Jesus had everything well in hand. Verse 30, uh, 35, and Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the mist, he came out of him and hurt him not. So as this devil speaking to Jesus, Jesus, stop, get out. And the guy falls to the ground. The devil leaves and the guy gets up and says, wow, I'm healed. Now, could you imagine being in a church service like that? Now, notice the response of the crowd, verse 37 or 36. And they were all amazed. Wouldn't you be? They were all amazed and they spoke among themselves. Now, you can imagine this, that in the middle of a church service, people start whispering to each other. Saying, what? A word is this, for with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they came out. Now, once again, they are noticing, here is Jesus' word. It has authority. It has power. There is a power to God's word. And when Jesus spoke... Things happen. When the word of God was preached, things happen. There is a power in God's word. For the word was with power. So the rest of the onlookers look on and they're pretty amazed. Verse 37. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Basically, everyone talked about that church service. Guys, let me tell you what happened when we went to the synagogue the other day. And they would begin to explain the story. And they're saying, listen, this Jesus, he is different. When he preaches, he's not getting opinions. He's telling you this is what the Bible said. And then he asked people to respond to it. For example, there was a time there's a guy came up and he was clearly had a demon. And Jesus spoke to him and even the demon obeyed him. Can you imagine that? Now again, all the rest of the Jewish rabbis, they didn't have a backbone. They were mealy mouth. They were more debaters and tried to get a discussion going on. None of them had said, this is what you need to do. This is the decision you need to make. It was completely different because of God's word. We see something else. The word was obeyed. The word was obeyed. Verse number 38, we come to a different instance. And he, Jesus, arose out of the synagogue. By the way, the gospel record of Mark implies this is the same day. So he has the same day. He has some guy who comes up demon possessed. He commands the demon go out. Later on that day, he goes on visitation. That's a busy day. Verse number 38, and he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. We know Simon better known as Peter. So he's going to Peter's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken in a great fever and they besought him for him. Now, while I'm here, let me kick the dog. Some people say that Simon is the first pope and being the first pope, he didn't have a wife. What a poor guy to be able to have a mother-in-law and not have a wife. 
That's horrible, isn't it? Doesn't it say that Simon's wife's mother was taken with him? I'd hate to have a mother-in-law not have the wife to go along with it. We could see that Simon Peter, he had a wife. And so as he's visiting his in-law's house, mom is sick. And as she's sick, she's taken with a great fever. The gospel record of Mark seems to imply that she's like close to death. And they, speaking of Simon and implied his wife, besought him. They prayed him for her. Hey, Jesus, you've been doing this healing. Here's my mother-in-law. And I guess it's my mother-in-law. Could you please? It would make my wife happy if he healed her. However he addressed it. But they asked Jesus, would you come take a look at her? So, verse 39, and he, Jesus, stood over her and rebuked the fever. Now, think about this. Here is Jesus. Now, we know who Jesus is. But for the rest of the people who don't know who Jesus is, Jesus gets up and commands a fever. Hey, stop. I mean, could you imagine doing that to your kid when they're sick? Stop. But you know, God has so much power in his word that even fevers and diseases obey his word. That's how much power is in God's word. That he could say to a fever, stop, and it gets better. Now notice, and he stood over and rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered to them. That word minister means serve. You know what she did? She got up and started cooking them a meal. Now, I don't know about you. Most people, it takes a little bit to recover when you're, you know, you have sick, the fever finally breaks, it takes a day or two before you even feel like doing anything. She is so healed, she gets up immediately and starts cooking them a meal. That's how, how obedient even diseases are to the Word of God. That is how much power it has. God's Word has great power. Notice as it goes on, verse number 40. Now when the sun was setting, now this is implied it's the same day. So he went to church service, he preached. While he preached, there was a devil who, a guy possessed with a devil who gets up, makes a big scene. Jesus commands him to come out. The guy's left on the ground, the devil's gone. People are amazed. Later on, he goes over, makes a visit to Simon Peter and his wife. They said, oh, well, since you're here, mom's sick, can you take care of her? Sure. Looks, commands her fever to go. She makes them a meal and they're eating. Now as the sun is setting, all right, this is a long day now. As the sun is setting, there's a knock on the door. Verse 40. And now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick. And that word any means any. Little sick, big sick. They all came to Jesus. And any sick with diverse diseases brought them, brought them unto him. And he laid his hands, notice this, on every one of them and healed them. Now, even if this was a small village, Capernaum was a fairly decent size. How many people are sick in one area? We're in a little town here of 3,000 plus. How many people do you think have a cough or a sniffle right now in this town? How many people have something bigger than a cough or sniffle? Broken leg. How many of them have cancer? How many of them have some sort of disease? How many of them have the colonoscopy scheduled for tomorrow? I mean, how many, you know, <laughs> all of them. And they all showed up at Jesus' door. Hey, we're sick. 
We heard that you healed the son of the guy and you hear this lady. Can you take care of me? And he began to heal them all. That's how powerful he is. Is that even diseases obey his word. This is powerful. His word is powerful. And notice he laid hands on everyone and healed them. He healed every single one of them. Verse number 41. And the devils also came out of many crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. So not only did those who came that were sick, they brought the people that are demon possessed and brought them to Jesus. And so he's healing people. Now notice they came at sunset. This is now in the middle of the night when he finally gets done taking care of everybody. It's a big long day. But why did they come? Because there was power in his word and by his word the demons obeyed. By his word sicknesses obeyed. Diseases obeyed. His word had power. But there's one more thing I want to show you here. That his word is for everyone. His word is for everyone. Notice with me if you don't mind verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went to a desert place. And the people sought him and came to him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. All right, so notice this. So the next morning he takes off. The gospel record of Mark says before it was morning. So remember, he worked till late in the middle of the night. He wakes up before dawn to go pray by himself. When he goes out and prays by himself, the people wake up and they start knocking on the door. They said, where's Jesus at? Well, he's gone. Where'd he go? Well, he had to go take some quiet time to prayer time. They went and followed him. And when they went and followed him, they said, listen, you got to come back to town. Well, why? Because we don't want you to go. What happens if Agnes gets sick? We need you to be here to heal her. And so they wanted to have Jesus just in their town, living there forever taking care of just their sick people, taking care of their problems. He's healing everyone. Let's keep them here. We don't want them to go away. What happens if we get sick? What happens if someone needs healing? Notice what Jesus responds to them in verse 43. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. He says, I know that you want me to stay here with you, but I'm not here to stay to one place. I'm here to preach the gospel to everyone, everywhere. Everyone needs to have this word. Everyone needs to see the power of God's word. Everyone needs to see this life-changing message and the life-changing word of God that is full of power. This is not just for a few people. Aren't you glad that God did not just keep his word to a few people? Remember that the Jewish people are not white and they're not black. They're Middle Eastern. If God had just said, no, but just for the Jewish people, the rest of us would be out of luck. God says, this is for everyone. I want everyone to have the word of God. I want everyone to receive the word of power. I want everyone to receive this message. Because the word of God, it doesn't matter where you're from or when you're from. The word of God is able to work in everyone's life. You know, this word could work on someone's life in Russia. 
This word could work on someone's life in Ukraine. This word can work on someone's life in China. And this word can work on someone's life in Wisconsin. This word can do a work. It is full of power. It could change lives. Nothing has ever changed lives like this book. And this book is for everyone. This is why currently present tense in our church we're doing a couple things to make sure the word of God goes out. First of all we're in a campaign to pass out 10,000 John and Romans. Why? This is our third time doing it. Why? Are we just wasting money to get the bags and get the Bibles and to get the tracts? Are we just wasting time? No. Because the word of God needs to go out. And the word of God can change someone's life. And someone could read a tract. And someone could read the Bible for themselves. And their life be transformed. Because we believe that the word of God has that much power. Something else that we're doing in our church is that we're raising money to have paper printed for Bibles to be printed in other languages to go around the world. And that we're raising money. Is this a waste of money? Could we be better? Is this money, could it be better used for some other project? Absolutely not. Every time someone can get the word of God and their life is changed, it is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. The word of God is for everyone and everyone needs to have the word of God. That's why our practice here is that whenever we have a visitor come in, someone who's just come for the first time, we give them a Bible. We want them to have the Bible for themselves. We want them to see it. And we're thankful that our church is willing to give for that so we can have Bibles. We have Resurrection Sunday coming up in a couple of weeks. And we're going to get brand new Bibles to have ready. So when we have some of your visitors that we've been praying for, we're going to give them a gift. Give them a Bible for themselves. Why? Because God's Word changes lives. And we need to be involved in these. God's Word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. Do you believe that God's word has power? Well then, if you believe it, may I ask you this? Then are you reading God's word for yourself? The greatest thing you could do on a daily basis is to read God's word for yourself. Why? Because it changes lives. And mine's the first one that needs to be changed. And yours is the first one that needs to be changed. We need to be in the word of God daily. And allowing God to do a work. To change our life. To change. To expose the things that need to be fixed. God's word is powerful. And it can make some life altering things. As God shows us. And works in our life. And then we need to get the word of God to everyone else. Whether it's participating and helping us as we're passing out another 10,000 John and Romans. Whether to participate or help as we start raising money for another roll of paper to go out. So people can get the word of God for themselves. There's many other ways we could pass out tracts. We could give Bibles to people. You could be part of the fund to say, hey, listen, I want to make sure that everyone that comes in here has a Bible out. I want to make sure that we're not running out of Bibles. Hey, that won't hurt our feelings. But you need to come first to your own conviction. Do you believe this Bible is powerful? The Bible says it is, but you have to come to your own decision. Is it powerful? Is it different than any other book? Well, let me ask you this. If this Bible is different than any other book, why don't you read it like it's different? 
We should not read the Bible like it's a newspaper. We should not read the Bible like it's some blog post. We should be reading the Bible like it's God's word. And this word has power. And I need God's word in my life. Well, we don't have to be a long message for it to matter for eternity. So just let me ask you. Are you allowing God's word to change your life? Are you reading God's word faithfully? And if you're reading God's word faithfully, are you passing it out faithfully? Are you making sure that others around you have the word of God for themselves? The other day, someone was telling me about a person they had met. That this person was deaf. No, they were blind. They were blind. And so they could not have the privilege of reading the Bible for themselves. But this person did some research and found that there's a Braille Bible. And so he could read the Bible that way. What an encouraging thing to say. I heard the person say, I want to give that person a gift of a Braille Bible. Now it's expensive because there's not a lot of them out there. But to be able to have someone to have the Bible in their hand and to see it for themselves matters all of it. Are we doing our part in making sure that this book, this word that can change lives, get into the hands of someone else? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.